serpents and spiders, tail of a rat. Call in the spirits wherever they're at. Rap on a table. It's time to respond. Send us a message from somewhere beyond. Hello, it's Rebecca Maida here, Zelina, the Wicked Witch of the West, and you are listening to the Once Upon a Fan podcast. Enjoy, because it's wicked! Creepies and crawlies, toads in a pond. Let there be music from regions beyond. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to the Once Upon a Fan podcast. I am your host, the Resurrection Amulet. And I am joined by my co-host, Dirty Hippie Witch Bitch. <laughs> and this is our review <laughs> of um, not only the <laughs> season, the mid-season finale, <laughs> The Eighth Witch, but also the spring premiere, <laughs> which was uh, Secret Garden. So um, here we go. <laughs> Ashley, I love what you picked today. <laughs> that's fantastic that's actually in my notes so when we get there we may just actually start off with that after we get through the news but all right all right that was definitely like as soon as i heard that i was like i'm gonna write that down for later (laughs) i will have use (laughs) for this i definitely wrote that down for later as well that was actually the thing where i was like oh i should really be making notes right now okay cool so um if you were wondering why we didn't do um an episode for the for the eighth witch back when it aired um we just decided that instead we were going to have like a two-part finale episode this way instead so this just works better for us so that's what we're doing we're going to get through our news bulletins first and then when we're done with those we'll get into our episode review as per the usual so here we go starting off with the fact that we have the big news the biggest news of all which is that the show is officially ending at the end of season seven So, um, it's not really totally unexpected. Um, it's still a little bit sad though. Um, it's been a hell of a ride and, oh Lord, this is the part where I actually say something about how I feel about the show ending because I haven't actually talked about it yet out loud to anybody. (laughs) So, oh boy, here we go. So just really quickly... I just want to say a really big thank you, which seems like such a small thing. And I say that all the time, but it really is such a small expression for how big this all is. But I just want to say a big thank you to Adam Horowitz and Eddie Kitsis and to the cast of the show from the pilot through to the very end of what this is going to be. Um, Everybody that I've had the opportunity to meet and talk to and, share my story with and you've been so gracious with your time and being willing to listen to me kind of blather on (laughs) like a fanboy about you know what this has meant to me and stuff but seriously the show has changed my life in amazing ways and I can't ever say thank you enough for all of that yeah the show has just been incredible to me and to so many other people and I'm so glad that It allowed me to make friends, including Ashley, that I would, you know, I wouldn't know if it wasn't for the show. And so many other people like, you know, the cast of the Once Upon a Time rock opera and 
um, just so many other people that we've talked to and like the shady blue thing that we've had going on forever with Keegan Connor Tracy and um, the bowl of soup from back in the day. If anybody remembers the bowl of soup joke that Robert Carlyle um, was talking about on Twitter and yeah, just, oh my God, so many memories that are coming back to me about things that happened on Twitter and like Neverland and Oz and, you know, just all of it all over again, kind of, um, yeah, it's just been incredible. So thank you very much to everybody and thank you to the writers. Um, you guys have given us so many things to talk about and such great stories and so many great episodes of television and, you know, good examples of, you know, what great writing can be and the way you combine different elements of classic fairy tales and the, you know, the Disney characters that we all know as well, putting your twists and turns on it and just being so creative and so inspiring and, you know, given us so many hours of this podcast where we've talked about the show over and over again, <laughs> and also hours of conversation that we have had off the podcast, both in person and over the phone, um, as well as so many other people that we know who have done the same thing. So I just want to say that real quick. I mean, yeah, I mean, you pretty, you pretty much said it all, Zach, but just like, I... Mostly that thank the words thank you are not enough to express the gratitude that I have for the people who created the show. Um, and being so generous with their time when fans visit set and stuff and allowing, like, that is such a unique experience. I mean, and the people, you know, of Steveson, like, for them kind of oh, opening yeah. up their arms to, like, us when we want to go and take pictures like outside of people's houses and places of business and but just you're right Zach that I don't think I would be where I am right now or have anything that I have right now in my life if it wasn't for the show and it sounds so dramatic to say out loud but it's like doesn't a thousand though? little things that built up together mm -hmm. and a lot of them can be traced back to one day when I was sick and sacked out on the couch, I was like, okay, well, let's see what this fairy tale show is about. Uh, click. And, you know, the rest is history from there. And I know that we're not the only ones, like, the show has brought together. You see it on Twitter all the time. Like, people have gotten married who have met because they were fans of this show. Um, people, you know, opportunities people have in terms of, of creating things and writing things or going places and I know that the creators and the cast and the crew and the writers like I know that they all know what an impact that they've made on everybody they know how meaningful this seven year journey has been for everybody but I it, it's something that I feel also bears saying again and again because mm -hmm. I've never, you know, yeah, I get really into TV. I used to be obsessed with, like, the TV show Leverage. I, I, I get into TV shows, and you, like, get up to your, like, elbows in them, and then they kind of fade away. But I have never in my life had an experience like I have surrounding this show in just how generous and giving the cast has been with their time, both, like, with us as fans, but also, you know with us as professionals in terms of press things, um, how 
many opportunities there have been for us, uh, you know, fans, all fans, but I, I'm speaking personally about myself, to immerse myself in elements of this world, you know, going, seeing, seeing, like, real-life Storybrooke, like, seeing sets, like, meeting people, the conventions, like, you know, like all, like, uh, Enchanticon and RegalCon, things that cropped up from that, and then obviously you got your creation shows, and then you've got your, your, you know, your San Diego Comic-Cons, or, um, Emerald Cities and all that as well, just, it's... This was different. This was so different, and I mean, we, we would, we would, uh, we need like a whole podcast just to talk about that, I feel, mm. because there's so much I want to say, and I don't really have the words to whittle it down to like something so direct because the immersion was so real. And while I feel like it is a good time to say, you know, goodbye and good night, part of me is also like, well, what's going to happen now? Like, there's going to be a void. Mm. And I feel like it, it's kind of like when you graduate and it's like, well, this is a thing. A chapter is closing, and a happy beginning is starting. You know, new chapter, new book. And I can take everything that I have from this, because as a fan, I can say that I've gotten everything a fan could have ever wanted from this show. So I can take all that, and I can use those experiences to give other, try to give others like something like that I feel right and I I've it's like a little locket I can wear around my neck these this this these seven year ride is is something I can you know keep with me forever right and there are, you know obviously there's been ups and there have been downs and as as with any fandom but this show isn't going to fade away into obscurity. Yep. This is staying. This, it, this, there's always going to be a town in Maine. Stop. Stop. No, I won't. There's always going to be a town in Maine where every fairy tale character you've ever known... There is a town in is Maine. ...is going to be there waiting for you. Where every fairy tale character you've ever heard of known are trapped. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> but yeah, so th there is always going to be a town in Maine where every fairy char ca fairy tale character you've ever known is going to be there waiting for you, and we've all got that to hold on to. So it's it's not goodbye. It's I'll see you later when I turn around and rewatch the pilot and go through it all over again. So yeah, yeah. I mean, you you said it far more eloquently than I did earlier because i just wanted to like speed through it and kind of get it all out before <laughs> i like started crying or whatever but um <laughs> i mean yeah like what you said i got everything out of i got more than i could have ever imagined that i wanted out of the show as a fan i mean it, it kind of goes beyond a fan thing i got more out of this show than anything else I've ever gotten in life. Um, right. Not not just personally, but like you said, professionally as well. The opportunity to have attended press events and 
and having my interest in the show be treated respectfully by the people who have created it to the point that they let us, you know, approach them and ask questions that we as fans wanted to know. And that in turn, I think it's kind of why we, you know, from what I heard were had pretty successful interviews, you know, um, Mm -hmm. where we were, you know, speaking for other fans too because we knew the show so well right um you know it it was more than just you know kind of a gen you know like those are you know major events and there's a lot going on and you only have so much time with everybody so you know without knowing what you can what kind of information they can really give you that can be a really hard situation to navigate and so i felt like it was really really unique being able to as a fan ask the questions that fans would want to know like about the real more the intricacies and the details of the show and really like knowing the themes and the patterns of the show and what made it so successful and what made it so beloved by so many of us and trying to tap into that vein more and give people more of the personal experience like i'm really grateful that we were able to do that that they gave us that opportunity um like professionally, that's something that really kind of that's I think what changed the course for both of us a little bit. Um, mm-hmm. So there's always that, and then personally, I mean, there it's so much more beyond that. The funny thing about the thing personally, though, is that it's been this like this season of the show has been really interesting because in my personal life, there's been a lot going on. Um, there's been a lot of change and season seven of the show has kind of reflected that a little bit even as well. And, um, it's really kind of like, just like before the show has kind of helped propel me a little bit and keep me going. Um, you know, and given me a little bit of a, of a relief and something to take my mind off things, um, as times are increasingly complicated in many, many ways. So yeah, it's been a really fun, unique experience and I'm really grateful for all those relationships that, that we've created. And like you said, the people who are getting married because of the show and just the the major impact that it's had and, and breaking so many rules, you know, like so many, like putting the, the twist on so many tropes of what we're familiar with and, fairy tale lesbians which we'll get into and yes. <laughs> things like that so on that note okay the, that sappy part's over now we're gonna get into some fun there's been some more announcements as well and since we're talking about the end of the show we're gonna take you guys through the episode titles that we have remaining uh we did get some of those announced while we were on hiatus so we're gonna make sure we keep you guys up to date Although, it's like you don't already know, but still. So, the next episode that we have is called A Taste of the Heights. Uh, it was written by David H. Goodman and Brigitte Hales. And then after that is Nightfall. Um, note that it's spelled with a K, as in like a knight, like a knigget. So, that one was written by Jerome Schwartz and Miguel Ian Rea. Next is The Girl in the Tower, which was written by Dana Horgan and Leah Fong. Which is interesting, considering the events of Secret Garden. Um... 
following that is Sisterhood, written by Christopher Hollier and Adam Karp, and then Breadcrumbs, which came from Jane Esmondson and Jerome Schwartz. Next will be the episode Chosen, which is written by Paul Karp and Brian Writings, and it's being directed by none other, none other than Lana Perea. Hey. Hey, our very own evil queen. Go ahead, girl. The sixth female director on the show. I just want to let you know. The fifth or sixth, I believe. Um, next after that is The Guardian, which was written by David H. Goodman and Brigitte Hales, directed by Jeffrey Hildrew. Um, he's directed several episodes of the show previously. After that is Flower Child, which was uh, written by Eddie Kitsis and Adam Horowitz. Oh, and then after that is Henry. Is This Henry Mills, which was written by Dana Horgan and Leah Fong. And we don't have the next two after that. That brings us up through episode 20 out of 22. So once we have, you know, the other two titles, of course, we will share them with you on the podcast. Um, so, yeah, there we go. Those are the remaining episodes that we know of so far. There's two more to go after that. And then it's the end of the show. Now Ashley is going to bring us um, some other news that was announced while we were hyenas regarding our very own beloved intro master herself, Bex Mater. Go ahead, Ash. Yes. Okay. So Rebecca Mater is doing one of those um, t-shirt campaigns. Um, her campaign is to help bring some wicked cool movie magic to hospitalized children fighting chronic or life-threatening illnesses. Um, the campaign supports uh, a charity called the Lollipop Theater. It's a non-for-profit that screens current hit movies for sick children in the hospital, you know, to help lift their spirits. Um, so if you want to help out with this campaign uh, and support the effort, you can pick up a number, I believe it was like t-shirts and hoodies and things like that it's very starbucks um the link is uh it's a shop stands link and i know the link is all over her twitter and we'll tweet out that link as well um with this episode um and share that for you guys because it's kind of it's kind of a long uh it's kind of a long url and i'm not gonna have you jot down percent dash whatever so, yeah, no, I mean, the shirts look great, um, and, you know, Rebecca's uh, Stay Wicked campaign, this is actually one of the, the second uh, charity Wicked Witch thing that she's done, because before she had brewed that uh, beer with uh, Main Street Brewing Co. Uh, up in Vancouver to support uh, Shelter for Women in Vancouver. So, yeah, I mean, buy a cool shirt and support the cause. There you go. And also another bit of news that we have for you guys over the weekend, um, recently at Emerald City Comic Con, Jennifer Morrison was in appearance and she said in answer to somebody's question that she is trying to work filming for the series finale into her schedule. She says she is trying to make it work. I like that. That makes me happy. That makes me very happy as well. All right. So let's go ahead and get into our review of these episodes here well since we're talking about two episodes i i can honestly say i feel that the um mid-season premiere was a bit stronger than the mid-season finale um and i think it's because the finale what it did is it set us up obviously for a cliffhanger so we were getting a lot of information thrown at us really quickly and 
it wasn't satisfying just to get kind of a download for, of information and then be cut off for a few months. And, you know, when you kept saying hiatus, by the way, I just realized that this, that was the last once upon a time hiatus we will ever experience. Oh my God. Like, crap. But, um... So anyway, yeah, so you were getting we were getting a lot of information thrown at us quickly like well here here we here's all here's the deal with the curse. This is what's going on. Okay, and boom, now we don't have episodes for a couple of months. But this episode was able, you know, now that we have all the info, it was able to kind of like tease it all out like yeah, so you know, Belfry and Anastasia are in a pit. Let's explore that. And like, yeah, Lucy's sick. Let's explore that. Um, Zelina's back. Like, let's Ooh. you know, Ooh. she's she's the Ooh. focus of the flashbacks. Ooh. Girl. <sighs> but um, but anyway, yeah. So Wicked and that and that's the big thing though is that Wicked is back, and I'm so glad to see Rebecca Mater back on the screen. Like, I think it says a lot about her and her character that she's been. Well, she was killed off twice, maybe? How many times did she die on the show? <laughs> she definitely was killed once, and then I don't think she died again. Well, she, but the fact that they keep bringing her back, that, like, she's made such an impression on... I know she made an impression on me, but made such an impression on the fans that, you know, she had her arc, and then she went away. And then it was like, oh, no, she's back. And that whole thing with, like... Ta-da, Rumple! Guess who's back? Back again. Wicked's back. Tell a friend. <laughs> you know, and then, so, for the, obviously, with a lot of cast not returning for the seventh season, she's still been brought back again. And it's like, well, you know, you give the fans what they want. There you go. But I'm so glad that she's back. Um, well, not I, only I, was she back, but she was back as the freaking Spin Master Kelly. Oh, that was hysterical. <laughs> that was just like, this isn't cucumber water. I don't want to drink this. I was like, oh now, my god. Now my, yeah, I was calling him my flying monkeys. Grab your blooms and flop brooms and fly. Like, okay, I'm, if girl. She, if she was my spin instructor, though, I'd be like, this is obnoxious. This is not motivating. Like, she's way too happy. That's she was such a perky granola girl, and I thought it was hysterical because normally, you know, Zelina's known for her. Uh, her sharp tongue and her like hella sarcasm. So for her to be like super bouncy. You mean like when she was calling New Hook Nook? Oh, that was funny. <laughs> I forgot there were two of you. Ugh. Oh my god! And now there are two of you. Fabulous. Cut to me dying of laughter on the couch. Like, <laughs> yep. Hey, are you getting vibes between the two of them? By the way, like I was like, oh what god, is this? no! Do not say that. It, like, because it was there for a moment. No, I was there wasn't for a moment, until I... you said that. <laughs> oh, God, no. Well, this, this, this oh, is the thing. God. It's like, I kind of don't want that to be a thing because, like, I want their daughters are together. I just, I, I liked seeing them, like, No, fight. they're, no, remember, fight. they're no. P-Flag parents. That's all. They're in Well, that's exactly they're... it. I like seeing them fight because it's going to, I mean, like, when we had that flashback, did they... Like, do they know that they're, they're they do they do know their daughters are a thing? But did they know at that time their daughters were a thing? Dude, I don't know if they knew that their daughters are a thing or not. And more to the point, I don't know if they know we know they know that we know they know. Um, you know, I know. I but yeah, um, I know that you know that I know that you know that they know that their daughters are fairy tale lesbians. Yes. 
Um, oh, but I, speaking of, you know, daughters and stuff, though, I love Mom Zelina. I love her being, like, mm. in the vault, like, I'm taking your phone. Get out of here. Like, that, oh, that was, yeah, I was like, I'm paying yes. bills, so yeah, I do control you. <laughs> oh. <laughs> like, I was like, ooh, ooh, I have, I have been on the receiving end of one of those kind of speeches before, so. Exactly, right. <laughs> Let me see, I have more notes on that, actually. Hold on, like. Whereas, let me get to let me get to my to my mail here because I had to mail it to myself so that I could look at it while we were doing the thing. Okay, yeah. So, oh, would she say, yeah, piss off, Nook? He's like, who Nook? And he's going Nook, New Hook. Apparently, both versions are thick as wood. Like there was that. And then when they were talking later on too, she was he was like, she said, you need a heart. Perhaps we should call a Scarecrow to join us and call it a day. <laughs> I was like that. Was, I was like, ooh. Oh, you bitch. Oh, you bitch. Oh, my God. That was just great. That was so funny. Oh, oh and she, God. she is the originator of the dirty hippie witch bitch. Dirty hippie witch bitch. <laughs> I, lo- I, I Honestly, the witch bitch thing, whatever's to be expected, but I love she, like, having just been a, a hippie, like, a little while ago, like, she's like, that dirty hippie, like. Honestly, like, I feel that's, like, that was some, like, that's something that, that's so once upon a time, like, you so need that, like, the zingy bitchy one-liners like that, oh my god, like, you need that. that the I think show, that's the, the thing that I love about on once upon a like, time, is that everyone is so put upon that they're dealing with, like, this magical crap, and that's what I think is funny, and that's what I really like, where, like, Emma's, uh, her catchphrase for the entire first season, uh, first two seasons, seriously, like... <laughs> That's what well, you need. Yeah. You need those one-liners poking fun of, like, this, that, and the next. Of everything. Yeah, well, not only that, too, but also when Nook held up the map, and she said, well, unless you're looking for the woodland home of a couple swearing chipmunks, let's say your map is broken. <laughs> well, and I, what I love about that, too, is that they're letting Colin, I feel, not, I mean, Colin's doing a lot more physical stuff. Like, you knew he was doing the whole, like, you know, five paces from a tree and he didn't know which tree. And, and like, they told that story just so well visually with him, like, doing, like, the goofy steps and stuff while well, defending his Well, not only the goofy methods. steps, but then he's, like, grabbing the invisible doorknob, which, you know, there's a lot of ways to interpret that. And then they go yeah. into, <laughs> and then they go into, you know, the, what was so much like, you know, the, the witch's cabin from brave almost that was the first thing i thought of when that with that shot oh yeah well i, I like it how it was brave. called it was very fitting it's called memento mori you know it was remember we die and a memento mori is actually a thing i think it was at victorian times or something where they, where they were like was it the pictures i don't it was basically something to um memorialize like a death i'm probably horribly explaining this but i just i uh, Lemony Snicket taught me that, but like, um, so if I butcher it, I'm sorry, Lemony Snicket, but <laughs> it's just, well, it means, that was re- it means remember it. death. I've pulled it up. It means remember death. And it says they are artistic or symbolic reminders of mortality. So we're talking lots of skulls here. Mm. Okay. Oh, that's, no, that's right. They would take people's know. heads. But, yeah. you know, well, well, it's funny because that leads us to the floating head in the globe, f***ing Madame Leota. I, oh, okay. And we've talked about this. 
But the Haunted Mansion, it, like, this, I, this is one of those times when it's like, okay, this is really Disney, but I will allow it. Like, I'm really into this, and I'm jazzed, so that's acceptable. Well, honestly, when I saw her head floating in the O in the title card, I was I like, okay. I thought it was okay. Gothels. Okay, oh no, I knew that. I knew exactly what it was. I was like, that's Leota. This is going to be f***ing amazing. And well, then that it was. was. I was super surprised. I was like, what? Oh yeah, no, I was not at all. I like, literally, I have on my notes, I have it, it's written in caps, Madame Leota and the Haunted Mansion, because it wasn't just limited to the, you know, like the be- like the monkey, like ringing the bell from beyond and, and well, you know, like she said a lot, and you know, what she had said, which was like the ghost host stuff of like, you know, this room has no windows and no doors, now you have to find the way out. But she said it, okay, but she, I, that was the one thing I was like, okay, this is the ghost host lines, but I will also allow it, but... The way she said it, she said it in the exact same cadence that he says it. Like, cause it's right. so cheesy, but he's like, "This room has no doors and no windows." No, 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 that's not it. Sorry, I have to correct you. Sorry, it's this room has no windows and no, and no doors. doors. Like, there's yeah, always it's fantastic. My it's, way, <laughs> yeah, my way, and then, dude, yeah, because then, right? Because then, in my head, I'm like, okay, now. In a really fun way, the Haunted Mansion is now tied to Once Upon a Time, too. And I love it. Because now I'm going to be like, oh, yeah. And especially now if I, like, when you go to Disneyland or whatever, right? And, like, you see Rapunzel or if, like, they ever brought, like, Mother Gothel out or whatever. And then you go on the Haunted Mansion. It's like, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Those two know each other. Like. They're friends. Well, you know, that, cre- like, that creates an interesting um, idea, though, because, you know, we're finding out who this coven is. And because that was the whole thing. They were going to bring her back from the dead because they need her, you know, for the eight witches. Because we didn't see who, who's under those hoods in the finale. So. Yeah, I'm wondering I'm if they're like people that we know. Pull out. Wait, what was that? I was wondering if they were like witches that we know. Well, I mean, and I wouldn't have considered Madame Leota a classic Disney witch. You can hear the air quotes right. here. But, like, I am all for it because it caught me completely off guard. I was like, oh, so if that's what, who they're pulling from, I mean, I'm wondering, like, pretty much the door's open for anybody, and that makes it really interesting. That was really fun. Well, it, you know what? That kind of detail goes hand in hand with the fact that Mother Gothel is apparently a suit, or, like, Mother Nature is a su- ancient pseudonym for Mother Gothel. She's evil. They made mother. I love when the show does this where they're like, here's the Peter Pan evil. <laughs> Frozen. Super I, I damn love evil. That, that is the way they were doing it. Like, here's Peter Pan evil. Here's Mother Nature evil. Like, hey, King Arthur. Super evil. evil. <laughs> <laughs> I love I love when they do that. So I'm like, um, mother. Well, and it makes sense, though, with the plants. But it also ties in with the tangled. Because the, the flower that does the thing, like, and and, and it, it just, it, I was like, how dare you make so much sense? So now that we've gushed over Zelina, uh, we're going to direct the conversation to something that I know that both of us have been really excited about, which is the fairy tale lesbians. Yay! Yes, finally! So Ashley, please take the wheel. Ashley, take the wheel. I'm taking the wheel. And, um, I am, I'm excited. I really like Robin. Like, I was, like, a little weirdly apprehensive just because, you know, she's the first grown-up fairy tale child of... She's not the first grown, um... 
fairy tale child uh, but but really though he was growing up at the same time i guess because she's apparently like robin is 25 years old so so did you catch that part well yeah no i got the part because she's like well i'm 18 and i was like immediately thought of the little mermaid i'm 16 daddy i do what i want no she said that she said she's 25 no because well when when did she say she was 25 they said that she's been growing up for the last 25 years Oh, I must have missed that. Did I not remember it right? I don't know. I don't know either. Regardless, um, well, she, I mean, she's, well, I was a little apprehensive about seeing Robin at first just because, while she isn't, like, the first descendant we've seen all grown up, I mean, you know, there's a, a, there was a lot around the baby anyway, like, from past seasons, and I, I just, I guess maybe it was also the fact that I, I didn't have a good first impression of Alice that I was kind of like, oh, I don't know. But I really liked her. She's very much like her father, I feel like. I feel like she's definitely daddy's girl. And this, the new episode, the newest episode definitely, you know, shows that as well. But, um, so I, I really, I like the actress they chose and I like, like, the choices that they're making with it. And it was kind of... It wasn't weird, but it was, I mean, I guess because we knew it was coming. I was like, all right, all right, all right. Just, you know, put them, put her and Alice in a scene together. Damn it. But it seemed like there was this buildup of like, does she know? Like, you need to go talk to her. Go to her. And then it was finally like, they're in the woods. And I was like, yes. Into the woods. Into the woods. I am interested to see, because, you know, Zelina called her and she's supposed to be out with the lemurs and all that. Um, so it's going to be interesting when she comes back and it's going to, I'm really looking forward to seeing her and Alice and I keep calling her Alice because it's just, it's easier. Uh, her and Alice like re-fall in love. Like I'm super hyped for that. I am. I'm looking forward to that too. Bring that to me. But like, yeah, everyone's like super chill about it too. So I'm like, all right, yay. Enchanted Forest, like being totally like cool about shit and as a as a gay woman i'm really excited that all of the gays on the show are women all the known gays i should say like i don't know why that's like super exciting but like what i love about it is that like you have a you know you have this like coven of fairy fairy tale lesbians now because you've got dorothy ruby mulan because mulan like i don't i will fight you mulan was totally gay is totally gay i will fight and, and and by the way, when I say gay, I mean it as like an like an overarching blanket term. So you know, lesbian, bisexual, She's queer. like pansexual. It, it's it's all encompassing. When I say it. I should probably say queer instead, but uh, she's so you queer. Have like a yeah. bounty of queer women in the Enchanted Forest, which is a sentence that I am thrilled I get to say in my lifetime. So I, it's just super exciting that I, I, there are no like stereotypes getting thrown in there and there's like i mean ruby kind of had like a bit of a gay angst or how do you say it gangst uh coming out situation but like it wasn't like that was probably one of the more enjoyable coming out stories that i've seen in media just because like she wasn't really like she wasn't worried so much about what other people would think of her. Like she, I mean, she kind of was, but it wasn't like she wasn't 
terrified. She was more worried that Dorothy didn't care for her. And she was like, yeah, this is a thing that's happening, but I'm more concerned about the person across the table than everybody else in the other room, you know? Mm-hmm. But, uh, I mean, I have talked at nauseum about fairy tale lesbians version one so let's get back to version two i'm just really excited to see that on screen and i'm excited to see more of it same i'm there with you probably not as excited as you are um i would like to see some male gaze on the show although i i know that we've had enough of the male gaze recently in hollywood but i would like to see some male gaze on the show male gaze or male gaze right Right. So, okay. I was like, wait um, a minute. Right. <laughs> um, and also too, when Mother Gothel was like, with the other thing that this, like, in a like kind of adjacent topic, um, because like, I just saw it in my notes. There's a scene where Gothel is hiding Anastasia in the closet, <laughs> and I was like, Nah, girl, get out that thing, get out that closet, girl. Come on, come get on, on out. come on out. We can, we can do this now. Even in Trump's America, we can have fairy tale lesbians. So, you know, there's that. So just keep that in mind. It is um, a bit weird with Anastasia, by the way. I just want to, because you mentioned her, and... Yeah. I don't... Well, well, no, no, it's just, like, you know, she's obviously, she's a, a young actress, and, but, like, I don't know how well she fits in with um, Victoria and Ivy. Like, it, there, there doesn't seem to be as good of a puzzle piece fit. Yeah, I feel like that, like, that, you know, part of that has to be due to, like, her being asleep for so long. Like. Yeah. So many other things happen between the other two that that's, like, you know. Kind of like what she said as, you know, she sacrificed herself, which is probably a good place to take the conversation as well. Because she, like, Rapunzel finally realized that. She loved her daughter, like both of her daughters, and then sat, you know, died. Like that. Was, I mean, that was a that was a that was a good like that was a good scene. And yeah, I'm that was really good. Sad that there is no more Victoria Belfry because I actually I really liked her. Yeah, I liked her too. Um, I was actually kind of surprised by it because the thing I like about that scene is that she's like, I mean, it mirrored what had already happened in the in the Enchanted Forest, so I kind of saw that it was coming a little bit, but it didn't cheapen its impact in any way like i still kind of you know it was still nice to see some kind of resolution for that relationship and um mm-hmm. even if it was you know tragic because the whole thing has been tragic for them but the thing i liked the most about it that left me kind of questioning things again was when adelaide kane is standing there and she's cradling or not standing there she's sitting there ivy is cradling her mother and you know, Nook is asking her, are you all right? And she says, I don't know. Like, the way that she said that was so... Oh, that, yes. The, the Her read of that line was mm-hmm. absolutely perfect. Yeah, because it was like, it's almost like a, a question of like, are you done being evil now that you got your revenge? Or are you still going to keep it up because that's just like your thing now? I feel like there's that little bit of a question mark there with Drizella now, so I'm I'm interested to see where that goes. Um, also, too, let me see, and related to that, when Drizella revealed that the lanterns that she that Rapunzel was looking out at out of the tower were her idea. 
Ooh, that was like any honestly every line that she had like it was just read so well this this I mean it always is but like this week I mean well yeah like, we love her too like we love Adelaide King so oh yes but like that that when she read that line like the 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 tiny reveal of that I was just like damn give her an Emmy please yeah that was really good I'm interested I really want to know like I'm invested in where they're going with her next. I th- I think and also like and the other thing with Anastasia Texan that I think about it because I just saw Rumpel's name. What's up with like the dagger and the guardian? Because I was kind of getting the impression that Drizella is going to end up being the guardian. No. Aw. I okay. I I didn't get that until you said that, and now I'm like, yeah, it's probably going to be that, and that's going to be like her turn for good is to help Rumpel be reunited with Belle in the afterlife by, like, taking, like, just, you know, getting rid of the Dark One dagger. Um, damn, too, because I, I kind of want her to be like, you know, I've mended all my ways, and da-da-da-da-da, and, like, be... be <laughs> I've mended all my ways, yeah, repented, I mean, like, seen the light, kind of and made have, the switch. Like, true, yes. True, yes. And she <laughs> fortunately knows but, a little um, magic. Okay. Um, it's a talent that I've always have possessed. I can sing the whole thing. Don't I get know, me started. right? Me too. Don't get me started. Okay, like the the, the big divine number. Are you kidding? Yeah. All right. Yeah. Um. Oh, also too with the doctor, real quick, because you mentioned the doctor earlier. I forgot to say this, but the doctor, her name is Doctor Sage. Sage is like a thing in witchcraft. No. Well, you burn sage to ward off evil spirits. That's it's smudging. You get a bundle of the herbs, right. and sage is one of them. You burn it, and you do the doorways, and you you know people do it to you know bless new houses and get the bad energy out um yeah but basically it, it's a positive thing it is is a to cleanse a space and you know if you've got like you know demon or ghosts or stuff you burn the sage and, and you smudge the house and it basically it's a very apt name for somebody like for an evil person to get rid of her because she's somebody who is getting rid of evil then with with a name like that, and she got bumped off. Well, yeah, she was getting rid of by name by way of you know getting the test that proves that Henry is the father. Mm-hmm. So you know they didn't have to go to New York for Maury Povich; they just had to call Doctor Sage. So that was good enough. Uh, and that was a really important thing, you know, when Henry said that he wanted to get tested. Like getting tested is very important, and I'm really glad that Henry sees the health and getting tested regularly as well. So Ugh. all right. <laughs> So now that's the big mystery as well, though, too, along with Henry, you know, getting the answer to the test. Um, how is he going to find out that he is the father of the child? And who, but also, who, who is the who person who killed Dr. Sage? That's the thing is like, that's the other bit of it is who who knows enough about what's going on? Like, who's awake and knows enough about what's going on to want to make sure that Henry doesn't know the truth? Could it have been Rumple? Could it have been Tilly? It. I don't know why because the, it was a glove. Like there was gloves, but it's it. The person seemed very feminine for some reason. Could it have been Robin? Well, see, that's what I'm wondering. But I'm like, why would she? Why would? Because I feel like I read something. I read a, an article or whatever. Uh, that they were talking about the the Adam and I were talking about you know the the wrapping things up, and they keep referring to this as a serial killer. So this is going, this is not a, a one-off thing. Like, apparently people are going to start getting bumped off. And I just, I mean, 
is, is you think it's going to be somebody new or do you think it's going to be somebody we know from this season or do you think it's going to be somebody we know from past seasons? And I want to know what the deals with taking a lock of hair. Like, I mean, I know serial, serial killers take trophies, but at the same time, like, that was a lot of hair. Like, I think I know. for magic or something. So, like, okay, what's I going on? I think I on? know. You have a theory? I do. All right. Don't I always? Yes. Yes, you do. Hmm. <laughs> I think that it is Facilier. Mm, oh, yeah, they did introduce him. And didn't he need And they said hair? that Tiana's story was going to oh. play more of a role in the second half, that we were going to get more of her then. There's also the fact that I believe that hair is like... I think that somehow it can, it's some, a little bit related to voodoo. I think you're right, but I'm not 100% sure. That's something we'll have to look in for next time. But I think that it's Facilier. Well, that's what, no, you know, oh my god. I just don't know oh what the god. motivation is there. No, hair is using voodoo dolls. Well, I mean, use, I mean, in conjunction with, yeah. Right, but, like, you use voodoo dolls to control people and stuff. I mean, we saw him doing that to Tiana. Why would he need a voodoo doll of a dead person, though? Well, maybe it's not for a voodoo doll. Like, maybe it's for some other kind of spell. Like, maybe it's for something else. That's true. Because we don't really know what he's up to and why... Like he, we only saw him that one time, and we don't, and we're like been paying attention to everything else, like without kind of thinking back on what is going on with him. That is very true, and I mean they they made they made points of reminding us of Tiana with where they're at. You know the the location thing was Tiana's palace, and you know she's exactly in the scene and she with, and she's the queen now. Uh, pardon. And she's a queen now. Right, but I mean, but like in this specific episode, you know, you, they're reminding the audience that like, yeah, no, she's here too, because she was in the scene right. uh, where Lucy wakes up in that one shot from her point of view. And, you know, she's standing right next to these flowers, and I get like, you know, sometimes flowers are just flowers, but they definitely, they the, the color in them and the, the, just all of it drew my eye. So I definitely was like, oh, Tiana's there, you know? So I just feel yeah. like, I feel like you're, you're definitely right on the mark with it being Facilier because we're being reminded of Tiana's story. Yep. And we're going to continue to be as well. Um, I think, I mean, the other theory that I have is, I mean, that the episode coming up called breadcrumbs um, could potentially be something related to Tiana because of the fact that she likes to cook and, you know, breadcrumbs See, is I something breadcrumbs, that you though, use. I think Hansel and Gretel. I mean, that could also be the case. I mean, but I feel like it's, I feel like it's more related to food. So that is true. Um, and that's Tiana's thing, so I feel like that's gonna be, that that's gonna be, like, the connecting factor there, mm. um, which I'm really excited about. So, that's, that's the answer to the mystery, I think, if that's what it's gonna be. Alright, a couple other odds and ends here, bookends, if you will, as we start to wrap up this episode. Um, a couple other things that I noticed that we have not quite mentioned yet. Um, the dirty hippie witch bitch said, don't fret. <laughs> um... She said, don't fret, which made me think of guitar frets, hippies. <laughs> okay. Um, and apparently cauldrons are for amateurs. Okay. Um, also, I loved the scene with Kelly and Kelly, with Zelina and Regina looking at Kelly and Ronnie's sign. Um, and it was green and purple. I was like, okay. Green and purple. Yeah, like their magic, of course. And then she smashes it. And Regina's I like, so what sad. the hell? I thought we were having a moment. Um, 
I thought that that was great. P.S. By the way, they put the apostrophe after the word, um, just like they did with the Charming's doormat. I love that little detail because I do that all the time myself, and it just drives me crazy when that doesn't happen. So, um, um, I also do like when Zelina was kind of like she's bitching. She's like, "What did you do to my bar? You refinished the counter? What the hell?" Yeah, I love there that. was sawdust and and peanut shells all peanut over shell. it before. Yeah. It had a cultivated aesthetic of a dive. Yeah. Also, too, another thing that I loved was when Henry mentioned Doctor Strange. Because especially with the portals looking so much like Doctor Strange, I was like, okay, this is this is a nice little Marvel reference there. Thank you, because I love Doctor Strange. Um, the visuals in that movie are insane. I did for a second think that Doctor Sage was... I forgot to say this, too. I thought that Doctor Sage was going to end up being one of the witches... So I was surprised. Ah. I was surprised when she died. Um, well, and that's the thing is, so they totally foreshadowed that too. And I like, I, I didn't even think of it at all when she was like, "Yeah, those things will." She's like, "I know these things will kill you." Didn't even think about it because I was like, "Okay, you know, whatever." And the fact that it did, I was like, "You told us. I'm. I'm one. You told us how she was gonna die. I'm wondering if that's gonna crop up again." I just the only reason I remember that line is because she was getting a seltzer water, which isn't that you know it's not pop it's not bad so i was like actually no but it actually did <laughs> there's also the note oh too yeah that he also said dr doolittle too henry yeah um which i was like cool um i love the line when uh um tremaine was trying to get out of the pit and drizella said where's the fairy godmother when you need one like that was funny Shady Blue is somewhere cackling to herself. Yes, I loved that. That was funny. Um, I love that she, like, she... She hucked her shoe up there and hit the thing. I was like, oh, you crafty witch. Yeah. I was like, no, but a Louboutin will. Boop. Yeah, yeah. Um, I also loved when Zelina first showed up through the portal and with the book and said, do you remember giving this highly dangerous volatile book to our highly dangerous volatile mother? <laughs> <laughs> yes. I... I, do, I love, I love that. that they like, still, I love that they still bring up Cora, like even now. And I like for a hot minute though, when Robin called her grandma or grandmother, I was like, wait a minute, who, who's whose grandmother now? But I was like, oh yeah, that bitch. Yeah, that was hilarious. Gosh. Um, and then, um, let's see. Oh, also, when Regina said she's young, we all experimented. There's nothing wrong with that. Mm -hmm. I yeah, there was there's a lot of like gay subtext. There's a lot of gay. There was a lot of gay. I loved it. There was a lot of gay. I was like, okay, all right. Yep. I see what you're doing there. Um, I need a shirt with Ronnie's logo on it. I'm just saying. The uh the um the the neon. Yeah, like it said, like with the arrows, and then it says Seattle on it. Yeah, I need that. Well, if you get one of those, and I need to get one that has the neon from Granny's on it. True. As if I don't need more Granny shirts. True. Also, too, by the way, Bex has the best hair. I'm just gonna say yeah, it. Yeah. Um, it's so not fair. I'm like, geez, with that, stop. It's so not fair. Um. Also, I love the line, too, that Gothel had, choose now which mother knows best, because, oh, you know, mother knows best. I thought of um, you, because, I, I mean, at least, I, I, like I said, never seen Tangled, but I know oh that much God. about it that I was like, ooh, Zach. And Zach's like, and it was right on the heels of all the Haunted Mansion stuff, so I was like, ooh. Yeah, it's all, yeah, it's all fantastic. I was like, this is all working for me. Um, 
this is just great. Let me see if there's anything. Oh, the other thing too. Okay, I didn't mention it when we were talking about Zelina earlier, but these lines together, it's like you're Beyonce and I'm Blue Ivy and there's all these things that I'm supposed to be good at. And then she said, you don't have to be Beyonce. Being Jay-Z is also quite respectable. Girl, there is a Beyonce reference on the show. Get the f*** out of here. Oh my God. Well, okay. And that was, I was like, I, it made sense for her to, for, for Robin to go with Beyonce. But the fact that like Zelina rolled, she's like, but Jay-Z. Also, I mean, that, I like that because... I mean, that really grounds her in a child that's also grown up in, like, our world. And I want to know who the other two kids were that she was trying to do magic with. Like, who's, whose kids are you? Who, who you be? Well, you know, what's funny is that I, feel, I was wondering if the girl who told her that she, even though her mom is the Wicked Witch, she still had a lot to learn or whatever. I was wondering if she is, like, Mulan's kid, actually, because she said that the family is having dinner at Granny's. The Fa family? The Fa family, you mean? Like, is that the family you're talking about? Like, or is this, like, a different Mulan, like, named after her mother Mulan? Or her grandmother Mulan, for all we know? Like, I don't know. You know what I mean? Like, I was trying to figure that out. I thought that was cute. Um, but, yeah. I, I love the continual mentions of grannies and the lasagna. I was like, yes. And lasagna, yes, yes, yes. That was also good. Yeah, that was good stuff. Okay, so... Alright, I think that pretty much does it for our review of this episode. We will be back with our review of the next episode, which, even though I just went over it, I have lost it. Isn't that great? So... I'm losing my mind. <laughs> the flames on the side of my face, heaving... Breathless... Breath heaving, is, heaving, heaving breath, heaving breaths. Okay, um, the next episode. <laughs> the next episode is called "A Taste of the Heights," written by David H. Goodman and Brigitte Hale. So that's the one that we're going to be talking about next. Yes. All right, guys. Thank you very much again for joining us for this week's episode of the Once Upon a Fan Podcast. We'll see you later. All right. Bye, guys. Creepies and crawlies, toads in a pond. Let there be music. From regions beyond. Wizards and witches, wherever you dwell, give us a hint by ringing a bell.